When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hey everybody, let me talk to you here for a second. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Here, let me explain real quick. First off, it's free. That is the best word in the English language. Free. There's also a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much, much more You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. That's big. I mean, huge for brand new podcasters. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Just download the free Anchor app or go to anchorfm.com to get started. Buying a home can feel like navigating uncharted waters. Redfin agents can help. They'll answer your questions with honest advice so you know exactly what you're getting into. They'll also help you tour as many homes as you want and show you what it takes to make a winning offer. With a Redfin agent on your side, you can sail straight to your dream home. Local expertise from Redfin. That's real estate done right. Tour subject to property and agent availability. Virginia Office Falls Church, VA. 844-759-7732. and welcome to the main event, Mark's Podcast. It's time for a Music City Showdown. I'm your co-host, former radio guy, a wrestling-obsessed Mark, member of the Fig family, and move over, Jackson Galaxy. I'm the cat daddy. I am Troy. And with me, as always, is Coffee Snob, Figure Itch Scratcher, and he's our WWE walking wrestling encyclopedia. He's a Johnny to my Shane. What's up, dude? Hey, it's Greg. What's up, man? Good lord. <laughs> gotta get what the dynamic. Be uh, well, you gotta get the dynamic dudes reference in, man. That's how it goes. Let me let me oil your pecs, TJ. Hey Shane. Uh you're looking awfully vascular and tan today, but you can always look better. I could oil you up. <laughs> I'm thinking that's how their conversations went in the locker room. Man. Bruce Pritchard just totally like ruined the image of that guy. Whatever image there was. Uh <laughs> 
Yeah, I think <laughs> I, I think Jim Cornette killed him, and then Bruce Pritchard just peed on the corpse. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, that's what I'm thinking, at least. But yeah, man. So today we are wrapping up the trilogy for Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat. And I didn't hate watching this show. How about you? <sighs> Complete opposite. You hated it? I did. I Yeah. I mean, not to get ahead, but every match felt like it was five or ten minutes or somewhere between. It kind of was. So you're, yeah, not, you're not wrong. That's kind of drew me off. I'm like, I feel like there were quite a few matches. I'm just going to say this now, so I'm not going to say it every match. Like, right when I was starting to like, kind of feel it, it was over. Now, see, I'm going to say this. And this is a bad sign as well. There were a few matches where I'm like, my God, this is going on forever. And then I realized it was like a five minute match. And I'm like, holy crap. Maybe that's even not- worse, like five minutes took forever to get through. Uh, yeah, I know. Some of these matches just kind of drag. I mean, this I is know. another, uh, another, you know, and clearly we, we just pick shows to do. You know, we don't look at it and go, oh, we're going to do it for this reason. I mean, we do like for the match, but right. like, not the overall card. Cause like, I feel like a couple of times now we've done this and like, this is a one match show. And right, and I hate saying that because you know there were quite a few wrestlers on here I like, but man, it was brutal to watch. Well, like if you go back in the archives, King of the Ring '98 was okay, uh, top to bottom as far as match quality. That was more of a you know maybe two match show. Not <laughs> right. Well, let me three. let me clarify. I think I should say our WCW events. Yeah, and that is one of my notes. I'll say right now at the top that I was going to say at the end. This just shows that once again, back in the day, they were nothing but may, uh, main event and no mid yeah. card or undercard, which is like funny because in the 90s, it would be complete opposite. Uh, well, the weird thing is like NWA, they did take time building up their mid card and they had like storylines. They made their titles feel important, all that. No, good they stuff, did. And I'll agree but, with it. The problem is they use pay-per-view for that too much. That's what you should right. do on TV. Right. Well, and, and my other thing was that even though they built it up, the matches themselves weren't always great. The U.S. title, I will say, sometimes had better matches than the world title. I mean, not here. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but, it, you know, the, the U.S. title matches were usually pretty good. I mean, we may get some people disagreeing with us on this because there's Luger involved. But, you know, we've made our feelings known on Lex Luger. I don't want to jump ahead to that match, but yeah, I want to. We'll save that. But right. We'll return after these messages. Fracture prints your digital photos directly onto glass, making your favorite moments come alive in vivid color. Hand-assembled in the USA, Fracture glass prints are a unique and beautiful way to display and share your favorite moments. Simply upload your photo at FractureMe.com, select your size, and your glass print will be shipped to you, ready to hang with just one screw. Use code POD15 to get 15% off your order today. That's code POD15 at FractureMe.com. Summer vacation, here we come. Yep, I packed the craft beers I got at Total Wine. Did you remember a bathing suit? No, but I did pack a bunch of summer wines. Whites, rosés, Zinfandels. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. Now, back to our program. Well, diving into the news and notes here, man. Jim Duggan won the kingship from Haku at TV tapings on April 25th, complete with coronation ceremony. Also, on the Saturday Night's main event tapings, Hogan beat Boss Man in a cage match. That was the infamous one where Boss Man took that big old superplex off the top of the cage. 
Is that the one where Zeus debuts too? Uh, I don't recall. I think he debuts right in that match, if, I'm, if I remember correctly. He could. Uh, very. Well, yeah. not in the match. I'm sorry. He, he debuts before the match even starts. Like standing there, breathing yeah. heavily. Yeah. Speaking of Zeus, the WWF is expected oh, to go full court <laughs> press with a promotional hype for No Holds Barred, which debuts on June 2nd. Furthering the crap show that was this movie, it now turns out that the WWF is putting up all the promotional money instead of New Line Cinema. So New Line literally got the movie for free and doesn't even have to promote it. At least someone made money on it, I think. Well, Hulk Hogan. Well, New Line's saving all their money to promote the crap out of Ninja Turtles in like a couple of months, I think. And then they would just keep pumping them out. Well, clearly that was bigger. I mean, I don't say that sarcastically either. It's just like. Well, that's yeah. still one of my all-time favorite movies, by the way. But, you know, yeah, so it's, it's like this was pennies to them. Yeah. John Tenta went to Giant Baba over in All Japan asking for permission to be let out of his All Japan contract so that he could go to the WWF. Of course, John Tenta never went on to do anything. We never heard from him again. So this was a big bust and a mistake. <sighs> yeah. What? That's uh, <laughs> Was that when he was sumo wrestling, too? Uh, no, he'd retired from sumo. He was just oh. doing All Japan. He would debut for some of those. Here's a nice little tidbit as well. I don't know if he debuted as this, but there for a while he was the Canadian Earthquake. Do you remember that? Yeah, I I remember. Well, okay, I don't remember that, but I know for a fact if you listen if you listen to the audio of Survivor Series 1989, I believe mm-hmm. it was. Vince McMahon is doing the hype for all the teams, and you can clearly hear they dub in the Earthquake, but he has the Canadian flag. Yeah. Was, you know. I gotta ask you about this one because you may remember this game. I never played it. Uh, a Japanese video game company is releasing a WWF game to arcades this summer called Superstars of Wrestling. Uh, wrestling games hadn't had a great track record to this date, but that would actually be one to turn the trend around for the WWF. Do you remember that game? Probably, but like I feel like every one of those games was named the same or ran together. I can guarantee you I probably played it at least. I've at least played it. Yeah. Who was in it? Do you have the roster? Uh, I don't uh, off the top of my head. I I mean, it was an arcade game, so I... I, It's kind of in the vein of what Wrestle... Wrestle... Hold on, sorry. Retro Mania is going to be when that comes out. Uh, Yeah. By the time this this airs, spoiler, we record early, it should only be like another two weeks or so. Hmm. Well, cool. But it's going to be in the same vein as that, so it'd be pretty cool. By the way, I'm seeing just off the top of my head, or just off this one picture, there's Hulk Hogan, Hacksaw, Jim Duggan, Randy Macho Man Savage, Big Boss Man. Uh, they're they're all in the game. Looks like uh, yeah, so Warrior Andre. That I think that's the one that GameStop currently sells as a plug and play. A plug huh. and play. You just it's like a joystick. You plug it into like AV on your TV, and just yeah. like player but it's like you're holding a miniature arcade in your hand like an arcade stick oh, i'm pretty cool. sure that's the one that's why i asked that like i'm pretty sure that's the one it's re- it's named something different i think it's like wrestlemania or something but i think that's the actual game so it's like a it's only like maybe 10 wrestlers but i mean this was you know this is cool for 1980 or 89 i mean uh yeah Honky i Kong probably played it out 100 times at friends birthdays at chuck e cheese <laughs> that yeah. and the uh 1989 ninja turtles arcade game i think i pumped so much money into those two so Nice, yeah. Uh, Uncle Dave rails against the Savage and Hogan finish at WrestleMania around this time. And he notes that rematches are steadily dropping at the house shows. 
and Savage and Beefcake, which is apparently going around the house show loop. Those are doing because hell covers. yeah. Yeah. But apparently, I mean, Uncle Dave absolutely hated the finish to WrestleMania five and said it killed any momentum that Savage had and it killed why, the house shows. Why hate? What does he mean? Like he doesn't like that Macho Man lost or the way because well, I feel like it was clean. <laughs> It, it was clean. He said there should have been a screwed finish, should have been something to, because he was like, well, Hogan virtually went in well, there and killed Savage. Well, that didn't work for brother. Yeah. Well, he said Hogan virtually went in there and killed Savage, and there was no point to it, because according to numbers, Savage was very hot at this time, was doing very big numbers on house shows, and after this, uh, his stock just kind of dropped, and he wasn't pulling in the numbers that he once was on house shows, and neither was Hogan, apparently. So maybe that was just the business. Maybe he, maybe Uncle Dave did have a point. I don't know. I, uh, I hate God. I hate, I hate agreeing I, with that fool ever, but he's kind of got a point. You know, I, I feel like Macho Man never really rebounded yeah. except for like the small run he had in 1992. Yeah. I mean, after this, they went into that tag team program for the no holds barred crap. So, I mean, it's just, yeah. it's, it's not for the title, brother. It's also, uh, the, it's also not even for wrestling. It's for Moda Dam, uh, God, movie. So. Yeah, and Macho you have Man to had to. That into... <laughs> well, Macho Man had to be a miracle worker and try to make Zeus look like you know he should be teaming with this whole. So, I mean, <laughs> look at the other three. Uh, look, look at the other two though on the other side. And I, you know, you know, I'm a huge Hogan fan. He's like my all-time favorite, but he was never right. the best wrestler. Let's be honest. And Brutus was moderately decent on his best day. So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, the only reason the cage match is watchable is because it's in a cage. Yeah. SummerSlam match sucks. How dare you? But I digress, sorry. Uh, <laughs> the WWF had a show the night before Wrestle War in the same arena, headlined by Savage and Beefcake, which was artificially stretched out to later in the night, supposedly to screw over the NWA to kind of promote, you know, do some burnout the night before. I don't because know. when I think of a burnout, I think of a Brutus beefcake match. Well, hell yeah! If you if there's something you want to stretch out, Brutus the F and Barber beefcake. <laughs> Here you go, man. It's our favorite guy from this era, Jim Hurd. He's uh oh hell yeah. He says he's open to talking with Barry Windham about the situation where Windham walked out. You can listen to all that in the archives. Uh, but Windham has retreated to Florida and won't talk. Hurd wants confirmation that Windham from Windham's doctor that he had this hand surgery and the doctor patient privilege prevented it, you know, from happening without Wyndham's permission and Wyndham won't give permission. So they won't grant Wyndham his release until then. So he can't go to the WWF like he wanted. <sighs> wow. So he's holding him hostage. Basically. Look, this has been done in the NWA in the WCW in WWE. It seems like every company does this. It's a little. Well, I feel like her did though, because Barry Windham probably said Pizza Hut sucked or something. He probably brought in some Dominoes one day and pissed him off. <laughs> he's like, "Hey, where's the nearest Papa John's in this town?" And he's like, "What? I told you, I'll never work in this town again." <laughs> Kendall Windham has apparently joined Barry and no showing all of his dates and is considered gone at this point. Oh no, not Kendall! <sighs> Sorry, man, that's one half of the West Texas Rednecks right there, man. Oh no. He might not get hot for another 10 years. <laughs> you just said the West Texas Rednecks were hot. Good grief. Well, it was something. Hey, Curly Bill, man. Anyway, 
Roddy Piper is still talking about signing to either the WWF or the NWA, because apparently even though he showed up at Mania 5, he wasn't signed. But apparently Jim Hurd is pretty pissed off at him for showing up at WrestleMania without or, or at the WrestleMania show while he was supposed to be in negotiations. In fact, Hurd had missed Chi-Town Rumble completely to meet with Piper's manager, David Wolf, in negotiations that ended up being a smoke screen. <laughs> okay, a couple things there. Number one, there's nothing wrong with going somewhere if you're negotiating. I mean, you know, you got to check out the competition. And would that yeah. happen now? Hell no. Right. Second, not to get ahead, in one of the promos on the show we're about to, to review, they clearly say Jim Hurd's in the back talking about the incident with uh, Spivey and Sullivan attacking around, not to get ahead, but so <laughs> they acknowledge well, the, that he's there. Well, no, they said he missed Chi Town Rumble, so that was uh, you know. Oh, that's not so, what we're reviewing. That's right. Yeah, all right. Run no, together. No. Yeah, this is Russell War. God dang it! I still don't believe he was there, though. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't know. This this one, I'm sure he was there. Uh, he was definitely at. Well, he was. He had that promo at the beginning of Clash of the Champions. Remember that. Where he's reading off a piece of paper. <laughs> Him in that raccoon cap he calls hair. Let's Here not you... start bashing hair because there's a sting thing coming up. Keep going. Good Lord. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I want to talk about that. Here's one that's going to set the territory on fire, man. Mike Shaw, formerly Mockin Singh from Stampede Wrestling, will start in June uh, with NWA, uh, but with a different name. And he will also start at the same time as Brian Pillman. One of these men will go on to be the loose cannon and make history. The other man will be Bastion Booger. Okay. I knew I knew that name. I was like, I know they saddled him something dumb. What is it? Yeah. Uh, for those of you that want to know what Mike Shaw did in NWA, WCW, he was Norman the Lunatic. <laughs> so, yeah. Precursor to uh, Dave Sullivan. I feel like it was the exact same Gosh. thing. Well, Dave Sullivan had issues like he was on the spectrum or something whereas norman the lunatic was nuts no yeah right but it was the same thing essentially <laughs> I mean, yeah they needed they needed a, a, a precursor to eugene definitely that Lord. except except eugene wasn't nuts but anyway wrapping up the news here <laughs> uh this next story is funny the bit with the baseball announcers this month not knowing <laughs> who the NWA world champion was is apparently opening up a bit of a can of worms with TBS. And now Jim Hurd and Jack Petrick are on a rampage, making sure that all references to wrestling on sports broadcasts are properly linked to NWA <sighs> properties. Okay. Not uh, to cut you off real quick, but uh, I just heard a podcast of Bischoff where he told Conrad, he, they went to a meeting one time and said, Hey, what day of the week is nitro on? And nobody in that meeting knew whatsoever yeah. and it just reminds me of that yep. so tbs really the, the exec really just didn't care about wrestling i like how you know nowadays on turner properties or wh whoever the hell owns it you know former turner property you know what i mean when they advertise aew they throw in information that's fed to them that they know what's going on stuff like that i mean on non-turner broadcasts they've referred to chris jericho as wwe superstar chris jericho crap like that you know so i mean that's whatever but if it's on the you know like in the tnt family they seem to know what's going on back then they were just like oh yeah that wrestling show uh isn't rick flair <laughs> yeah. on there like that's, <laughs> that's literally what it was yeah. like that's word for word what it is that yeah and they, it was they were like, hey. announcers i assume right it was yeah 
But the thing that gets me is like, they're like, hey, do a wrestling promo for us. Like they know off the top of their head. Oh, sure. Uh, well, Lex Luger's taking on so-and-so for the U.S. title. Like, give me a break. They don't know. I feel like they might have known who like Hulk Hogan is and that he wrestles. And that's the extent of their knowledge of wrestling. And that's not even an NWA <laughs> yeah. thing. But I feel like that's how it was right. back then. Yeah, right. Speaking of TV, I mean, I'm not defending that stupid crap, but I'm just saying it yeah. wasn't as big back then, obviously. But, yeah, it was stupid. And I don't know why they didn't give them pre written pro, you know, uh, like promos and stuff. But, you know, it is what it is. Now, before the show even aired, TBS was accepting that Russell War was a financial write-off, and they're concentrating on building towards the Great American Bash instead. That's pathetic. This was wow. supposed to be the show, by the way, that was supposed to compete with WrestleMania. It was going to be on the same day. So, <laughs> my, how things have changed. This is WrestleMania 5. Uh, five. Yeah. yeah. Um, that was well, it. Either show, to be fair, blew me away. So, yeah. yeah. Not well, like, this, you know, they were competing against an amazing show, but... Right. Well, WrestleMania 5 was at Trump Plaza, right? Yeah. Okay. That, yeah, this was the make good for the crap that was WrestleMania 4. <laughs> okay, uh, sure, we'll say that. Well, I guess. I, it was their attempted make good, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Um, it was better, but by how yeah. much? Yeah, you the and world, I... There were like 12 five-minute matches. Again, not to get ahead. Uh, <laughs> What are you talking about, man? The Red Rooster took on Bobby Heenan. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. That was like 48 seconds. You're right. <laughs> I stand corrected. You got me. <laughs> All right. I normally don't cover outside of the big two here, but these two stories were pretty noteworthy. The New Japan Pro Wrestling Tokyo Dome show, which would not be uh, Wrestle Kingdom until like the mid 2000s. It doubled the WrestleMania 5 gate at $3 million and ended up the third highest attended show in wrestling history at 54,000 people. Well, it's not hard to outdo the gate when you double or triple the audience. Right. Yeah. So Tokyo Dome shows always filled up. This was when Antonio Inoki, I believe, was still main eventing stuff. So how many only on that card? Too? Not in 89, I don't believe. Uh, last story here in WCCW, Chris Adams and Jimmy Jack Funk uh, apparently did an angle where they pretended to be jobbers, billing themselves as Virgil Runnels and Richard Fleer. <laughs> <laughs> How petty can you get, dude? Oh, man. My God in heaven. That, that may be worse than WWE make, making Virgil and WCW making Vincent. That may that, be worse than that. Yeah, at least that was a little inside baseball. This was, they literally used their government names. <laughs> oh, and at this man. time, Dusty was in WC, or, uh, WWF, wasn't he? Yeah, he yeah. leaves after WrestleMania 6, I believe. Yeah. Okay. We'll return after these messages. Fracture prints your digital photos directly onto glass, making your favorite moments come alive in vivid color. Hand-assembled in the USA, Fracture glass prints are a unique and beautiful way to display and share your favorite moments. Simply upload your photo at FractureMe.com, select your size, and your glass print will be shipped to you, ready to hang with just one screw. Use code POD15 to get 15% off your order today. That's code POD15 at FractureMe.com. <sighs> The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle 
is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Now, back to our program. On with the show, man. You ready to dive into all this? I am. As ready as I can. NWA Wrestle War 1989 Music City Showdown. It took place May 7th, 1989 from the Nashville Municipal Auditorium in Nashville, Tennessee. The attendance was 5,200 people. They made a uh, whopping 37,000 at the gate. Hey, hey, back then, Take that, that was what it is. I mean, that was, yeah, that was, a, that was a decent gate at the time. Show, show of our times, by the way. Ugh. Right. Uh, pay-per-view buy rate was 150,000. So, I mean, for NWA standards, that wasn't completely hateful. You also have to factor in, this was the show, uh, again, go back in the archives and listen to the Chi-Town Rumble show. We talk more about this. The pay-per-view providers were going to carry this and Mania, and they were doing, or they were going to carry just this. And then when Vince McMahon finally acquiesced his demands and said fine i'll take less of a cut then pay-per-view said hey turner screw you we're taking mania not wrestle war so i mean it, pay-per-view isn't what it is now where you can find it anywhere you know not that we do <laughs> right well i'm talking you know like bleacher report and crap like that like you know you can find it anywhere here we go man hot open to the show the oak ridge boys open by singing the national anthem yeah, that right there had me on the edge glued. of my seat. <laughs> I had a tear in my eye. Mean, by God, Gene, with a tear in my eye. The Oak Ridge Boys sing the <laughs> national anthem. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I guess Hank Williams Jr. was busy that day. Did I commit uh, sacrilege a little bit by, by doing that? I don't know. Kind of. Uh, <laughs> but I think it fit. Sarcasm works, you know, when you do it right. So right, Jim Ross talked about this. The Oak Ridge Boys perform later in the show. Uh, they cut it out. Because one network. isn't enough. Well, exactly. They got to perform their songs, Greg. Not just the national anthem. They cut it out of the network. Thank God. Uh, but apparently, they went on for like eight plus minutes, like a mini concert. And Jim Ross was talking about. It. He's like, "Well, they were hot, especially in the Nashville area at the time. They got a lot of airplay." But he's like, "How many times can you sing Elvira?" <laughs> yeah, I assume you know that song, Elvira. I, do you? I do yeah. Okay, that's the only song by theirs I, I know. I only know it because when I saw them, I'm like, "Who the hell are these guys?" So like, YouTube it. I'm like, "What's the most pl- watched video?" And that's what I saw. Also, <laughs> nice. Yeah, they kind of look like ZZ Top, don't they? Yeah. Like a more Duck hillbilly like version. <laughs> right. Like if like if ZZ Top and the Duck Dynasty guys, you know, like were bred together. Oh, there's <laughs> anyway. an image. This first match, man, blew the doors off the place right out the gate. It's Doug Gilbert with older brother Eddie taking on the Great Muda with Gary Hart in his corner. This went on for three minutes, three seconds, two minutes too long. The match was scheduled, by the way, between the Junkyard Dog and the Great Muda. JYD, shocker of the century, no-showed the event. 
and was fired for the 500th time. And he was replaced by Doug Gilbert, the younger brother of Eddie. Why are you no show? Do you know? Because he's the junkyard freaking dog. That's why. <laughs> I just, I was just curious if it was a Jim Hurt thing. Like he hated him too. He probably hated him because Jim Hurt probably hated him because he kept no showing events. But yeah. <laughs> I also need to point out for this match that Gary Hart is a forgotten great manager. When he I is. saw him, it came back to me. I don't always like his his work. But there are certain times where I'm like, he was good. Great Muda missed, or excuse me, misses the first moonsault attempt and, and he lands on his feet. He then hits it the second time and he gets the win. And in the end, Eddie Gilbert comes in to check on his brother. Uh, and Gary has to, uh, Gary Hart has to hold Great Muda back. Uncle Dave was awfully freaking generous. Gave it two stars. I gave it one. I don't like saying zero stars unless it doesn't happen to be a match. I gave it one right. as well. And I don't think I've ever yeah. said that about a great Muda match in my life. Right. Dave I, to always... To me, that's one of the greatest ever. And yeah. Oh, yeah. And I get it. I'm a huge mark for him as well. But Dave, I feel, always overrated his matches. Always. Whether they deserve the, the rating or not, he, he, had, he had a soft spot for him. Oh, where is he from, CJ? Oh, I know. Uh, Lance Russell is backstage. Lance Russell, who you may have, everybody may know, was uh, the voice of Memphis wrestling for like ever. So Memphis wrestling. Who, who. I kind of, I kind of popped a little bit when I saw Lance Russell, I didn't know he was going to be at the show. I was like, Holy crap. They got Lance, but I, not everybody may appreciate him. I don't know, but I know who he is, but he was interviewing Ric Flair. Flair calls steamboat, the greatest wrestler on earth, which this is a theme through the show. You'll hear later on, but he says that he is the man. And he'll uh, he'll kiss Steamboat's boots if he can beat him again tonight. Flair's eyes keep darting around for some reason, like he's nervous. Did you notice that? Uh, no, I didn't. Yeah, like if I go back and watch this promo, his eyes are like all over the place. Yeah, I might have to because I was like more like, what's going on here? Flair is like the face now, or a face, not the face, because Steamboat is still. But right, when all of a sudden he's like a face. You know, more of that later. Up. But like, oh yeah. It was just weird. They're definitely like, setting up a couple for shows this. prior. He was like the most hated guy there. Right. He was getting into the territory of Eric Bischoff talks about. He's like, there was a time, you know, in the nineties where he was like, Flair was a heel, but he's like, he could have, you know, came to the ring, setting puppies on fire and stomping them out. And they still would have cheered him. Yeah. Right. This next match, man, uh, Butch Reed versus Ranger Ross. <laughs> uh, oddly <laughs> enough. This was the match that, and this it's a weird time for this match to snap into my mind, but this was the match that, that reminded me, I have seen this show before. <laughs> so, uh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So you remember that classic? <laughs> yeah, I, I remember that it happened. I didn't remember anything about it. But uh, this match went about seven minutes. This is Ranger Ross's debut, or as uh, as Matt Riddle calls it, his debut. Uh, he, he makes his entrance flanked by Navy sailors for some reason while carrying old glory. I say for some reason because he's an army ranger flanked by Navy sailors. I, well, whatever. For one. Uh, Jim Ross and Bob Cottle really lay it on thick during this match about the American pride. Ranger Ross's character always kind of like, I didn't get it because I get it. He's a ranger. And, you know, all that stuff. But 
first of all, the name is stupid. Ranger Ross. He sounds like he should it be. It sounds like a, a cartoon character. Like, oh, it comes yeah. Ranger Ross. <laughs> yeah, he sounds like he should to save be. save the day. He sounds like he should either, you know, be helping Smokey the Bear put out forest fires. <laughs> or, or like he should be a character on Pee Wee's Playhouse or something. <sighs> but Delivering but he, like, the mail to the Teletubbies. Boom. My God. But he's uh, he's kind of weird and he does like hip gyrations and stuff. He almost reminded me of Norman Smiley with like his body type and like the weird dancing on occasion. He did not, unfortunately, do the big wiggle. So I was disappointed. Uh, or the big uh, hip thing. Yeah. Jim Ross at one point says that Butch Reed has spent a lot of time at ro- as uh, or in rodeos as a steer rustler. But it sounded like he called him a stair wrestler. So I had to go back and listen to it a couple times because I was like, what the hell is a stair wrestler? Here's this must be an Oklahoma thing. Yeah. Uh, here's setting up for something, man. Theodore Long, who apparently was fired as an NWA referee, comes down to scout the match with a pad and pen. Although Ross would... Like, I I thought that Ranger Ross was going to win this match. But no, Butch Reed ends up beating him with a flying shoulder block off the top rope. <laughs> okay, on that, my first note, I put... I said, uh, has Ro- have, I, have I ever seen Ranger Ross win a match? I just, I don't think I have. Ah, come to think of it, I think you might be. Well, was it him that beat the terrorist on pay-per-view? Or Clash of the Champions, I mean? If it was, I clearly remember. <laughs> it was, yes. It was at, uh, when they were at Fort, I think it was Fort Bragg. That, that whatever Clash of the Champions that was, our listeners let me know. I forget off the top of my head. But he took on the terrorist, which was, go figure, Jack Victory under a hood. <laughs> So, yeah, that was spoiler. No Jack victory this show. I know I'm a little well, I'm not disappointed, but we got plenty to get into. Uh, Uncle Dave gave gave this one fourth of a star, which just seems like so stupid. I gave it I gave it two stars because I didn't think it was like it was below average, but I didn't think it sucked. I also gave it two stars. I was like, eh. I mean, it wasn't like horrible. I I don't give one star. It's like I will never watch this match again in my life. Not that I will, but like. Right. You know, it wasn't it wasn't like torture. Bad, like horrible. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't torture. He gave Muda and Doug Gilbert two stars and gave this a fourth of a star. Mother of God. It's just yeah, whatever. Lance Russell's in the back again interviewing Lex Luger, who says that the US heavyweight championship means the world to him and he represents a lot of fans who are counting on him. And he doesn't think that Michael Hayes has what it takes to beat him. Ah, uh, this was not one of Luger's best promos. And I say this knowing that Luger was never a strong promo. Yeah. I don't know. I just didn't feel it. It was like very rehearsed and kind of blah. Oh, this match up next, man. It was Dick Murdoch taking on Bob Orton Jr. Uh, Bob had Gary Hart in his corner. I forgot about that. This was a bull rope match. It went just shy of five minutes. My God, my first note, I said, I absolutely love bull rope matches. Don't ask me why I just do. But this was most definitely the most boring one I've ever seen. And I never want to see it again. (laughs) Murdoch beats Orton's ass the whole match, uh, hits him repeatedly with his boot and hog ties him and pins him for the win. Just making him look like a dork. Uh, A pinfall in a bull rope match, by the way. Yeah. Uh, Gary Hart attacks Murdoch after the match. Murdoch fights back only for Orton to jump him with the cowbell. And then he hangs Murdoch over the top rope with the bull rope. And he kicks a referee away for trying to help him. 
<laughs> Uncle Dave and I, er, well, Uncle Dave gave this a half a star. I gave it one and a half. What say you? I, I also gave it one. Uh, a few notes that I, I made because a couple of things I noticed. Number one, he's not Cowboy Bob Orton. He's just Bob Orton. It was Cowboy WWE trademark or something. Uh, no, I don't think so, but he, he's, he's Bob Orton Jr., which, you know, if any of you know WWE, Vince hates Jr., so he couldn't use it there. He's, uh, not wearing a cast. That was weird to see. I know, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Dick Murdoch is not Dirty Dick Murdoch. He had another name. Got it. Now I should have wrote it down. It escapes me, but it Captain wasn't Dirty Redneck. Dick. Yes, Captain Redneck. He was not Dirty Dick Murdoch, <laughs> which was weird to me, too. And also, he was a baby this- face. That was my that was my next note. I'm like, all of a sudden, Murdoch's a face. I don't ever remember him being a face, ever. I, I'll be honest with you, because I at first, because they both got jobber entrances, I didn't know that Gary Hart was in Bob Orton's corner at first. So I went into this for the first minute, thinking Orton was the baby face and Murdoch was the heel. I went into it thinking they were both heels. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I was it was it was a weird match. I don't know. I didn't. And obviously they're setting up for a hot program with that hanging there, Greg. <laughs> My God. Uh, shut up. Also, I need to point out uh, Nick Patrick's mullet is just starting. Oh, yeah. It's about to come into full form. He's about to go into full Kenny Powers mode. Here and we're, uh, let's just put a pin in that because we're going to get heavy into that in a few segments here. So, God. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, Lance Russell's in the back again. He's interviewing Michael P.S. Hayes, who is not wearing a rebel flag this time around. Thank God. No, he Hayes... was, but they edited it out. The... No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Uh, Hayes says that he's going to beat Luger all on his own without the Freebirds or anybody else by his side, uh, which was kind of funny. Me- Be- thus meaning someone's going to help him. But Oh, well, absolutely. But I also... honestly forgot how this went, and that was my first thought when I heard that. Like, yeah, okay, what here. shenanigans are happening? <laughs> well, my thing is, he says, I'm doing it all by myself and nobody by my side. By the way, Hero Matt Suit is in my corner. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. Uh, speaking of people in their corner, man, up next, the Samoan SWAT team, Samu and Fatu, with Paul E. Dangerously. They're taking on the dynamic dudes, Johnny Ace and Shane Douglas. This went on for 11 minutes, two seconds. My God. I- I need to start off by saying, uh, did you catch the promo at the beginning where he said, uh, for those who don't know, I'm Paulie Dangerously? Yes. Yeah. It so was... he's been doing that for years. I never realized that. But mm-hmm. yeah, he did that. In, uh, he did that a couple of times in ECW. He did a lot in WCW. That's why when I first went back and started watching these, I was like, holy crap, that's always been his gimmick. I've never I, known that. I guess I never realized that. Yeah. Well, he, he didn't do that. His first run with Lesnar, you, at least not that I remember. Do you definitely did not? Yeah. Definitely okay, not. yeah. Uh, there, it seemed there for a while, everybody in WWE was doing that. Alberto Del Rio, Randy Orton did it for a minute. <laughs> I don't know. Everybody, Armando Estrada, everybody had to introduce their freaking self. I uh, feel like, uh, now that you mentioned I feel like Alberto did it the best. <laughs> but you yeah. already know that. God. It blew me away the reason why Randy Orton did it for a while. I'm like, dude, you've been in the company for like 10 years. We know who you are. Former world champion. Like, God. Did you notice the dynamic dudes came out to a WWE production theme? With, I did. Like, it was in my in notes. The, I'm like, I've heard this song somewhere. And then like, like yeah, is it a production theme or is this like some jobbers theme? Yeah, it's in 2K. I know that. I don't know what they came out to in reality. I did, however, find a YouTube video. I didn't go back and watch this, but I found a YouTube video not edited by the network. It's the original VHS release. So Steamboat has his actual theme 
the Road Warriors come, which we'll get to, come out to Iron Man. So it's, it's pretty that's cool. still kind of in there, but it's faint if you notice. Like they clearly double, yeah. you can hear it. Right. I thought they should come out to that song that CM Punk made a video, a tribute video to Larry Nights too. Was it "You're the Best"? I think. Oh God! Remember that yeah. at the Slammys? <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. simply the best. Yeah. So yeah, God. I was like, thinking, I was like, seriously, had that. I was going in my head when they were coming out. People like, power. Was like it was only like twelve seconds too, because they ran out. But like I'm all thinking of that. <laughs> oh my gosh! Of all things to think about. Uh, but yeah, Uncle Dave notes that with the skateboards and striped shorts, this team will get over real big in San Francisco. If you know what he means. I'm going to leave that alone. Yeah. I did not say this. This was said by Dave Meltzer in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter back in 1989. So take that uh, how you will. Oh, so he makes fun of them and uh, he doesn't like women. Wow, he's a real piece of work. (laughs) Real piece of work. The The girls go crazy, by the way, when the dude's undressed. Did you notice that? I did, and I need to point out the reason why, because of the way they look, and because of their sweet mullets. That's why. Damn straight, giant, like, if I was a a woman, I'd be going crazy for that, too. (laughs) Well, hell yeah. I mean, Shane had a cool mullet and all, but Johnny's was just like, "Mm, Well, dude, it doesn't get any better than a spiked hair mullet, dude, okay? Well, yeah. There's like, usually it's like spiky, but this was completely spiked. Come on, that was epic. Well, hell yeah. Greatest hair ever in the 80s. (laughs) That's well, yeah. That's that's a lot of business in that front area, and then in the right. back, that's like parents are gone for the weekend party in the back. Right. <laughs> the actual uh, the actual match here, dangerously gets on the mic and told Johnny Ace that he was as useless as a woman from Nashville, Tennessee. Who? I bet Dave Meltzer popped for that one. <laughs> uh, Fatu picks up Shane for a scoop slam. Johnny did a missile drop kick to Shane's back. Shane fell on top of Fatu, and the dudes pick up the pin, the pinfall victory. This match absolutely effing sucked. Uncle Dave gave it two and three, four stars, oddly enough. I gave it one and a half. What say you? You know I me, mean? I don't like doing half, so I will say two only because there were some intriguing moments. My one highlight for me, no pun intended here, is like the highlight at the end was uh-huh. the pinfall being broken up. Like that was the highlight of the match. Oh, you talking where Fatu hit the splash off the top yeah. and Johnny and broke it Shane, up. Yeah. Or is it Johnny? Yeah, he breaks it up. But like, that's the highlight. That's like the lone highlight. I know. Because I, I thought it was over. Stuff, there were some decent moves in this, like enough to keep me watching. But like that is what they choose the highlight. Yeah. I want to say this is their debut, by the way. Am I wrong? The Dynamic Dudes debut? I don't. I don't. I, I might be think wrong. It, was, it might have been their pay-per-view debut. We'll say that. Yeah. Somebody correct me on social media. I, I want to know. Um, definitely hit us up at pod or at main event underscore marks on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, just let me know if I am right or wrong here. This next segment in the back uh, is Lance Russell. He's with the judges of the main event. It's Luthez, Pat O'Connor, and Terry Funk, all former NWA champions. Fez says that this may be the biggest match of the century. O'Connor talks about how he's going to score the match. And Funk says that he doesn't think they'll even have to score the match because he predicts a definitive finish. Uh, well, who guess who won the pony? <laughs> this next match was Lex Luger. sick. God dang it, Pritchard. I had to go home. My horse is sick. <laughs> I have to get at least one one impression in per show. <laughs> He really uses that, by the way. That's a real thing. 
Yeah, apparently that was just a frequent excuse for him. And then when uh, Pritchard told McMahon, McMahon was like, ha ha, god dang it, this horse is sick. Well, what are we going to do now? Wow. Like, he just laughed it off. He's like, ha, well, that's Terry. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> uh, Not the first time he's ever said that's Terry, but whatever. Keep going. Keep going. Uh, wow. Uh, well, that didn't work for this Terry either. Uh, Lex Luger up next, by the way, defends the NWA United States Heavyweight Championship against Michael P.S. Hayes with Hiro Matsuda in his corner. This match went on for 16 minutes, six seconds. Both men have pretty big entrances, but Hayes definitely has the coolest entrance, I think, out of the two. He's got pyro and whatnot. He's got his own custom theme blaring and all that. I think this is one of the better entrances of the 80s, actually, period. Like, period. Yeah. I mean, not this one. Yeah, like specifically (laughs) Hayes, though. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And Hayes' jacket looked cool. It wasn't offensive for once. Uh, he was just wearing blue and yellow this time around. This match, I said, didn't completely suck, but it was long and kind of boring. In the end, the guys hit the ropes and knocked the referee down. Luger knocks himself out. And so did, I guess they did a noggin knocker and knocked each other out. Mm-hmm. And hey, he, like Luger's out on the mat. Hayes is selling against the ropes. And wouldn't you know it? God dang it. Bam Bam Terry Gordy comes to the ring and he shoves Hayes' lifeless body on top of Luger and Luger puts his foot on the bottom rope but Gordy shoves that off and the referee wakes up just in time to count the pin. We got a new champion. Damn you, Terry Gordy and you lied to us, Michael Hayes. How dare you? (laughs) Uncle Uncle Dave said that this had the most heat out of anything on the show. Uh, I'd argue about later on. I don't think so. I feel like people were like really hot for both guys. Yeah. Well, that was one of my notes. Like crowd is hot for both. Well, he, when he said he, he just means like loud reaction. Uh, but Luger, you should specify, but yeah, well, he says Luger is really in his words. Luger was surprisingly great here. And even Hayes was working hard. Side note. If you guys didn't listen to the archives, which you really should Chi town rumble and uh, clash champion six. he, uh, Uncle Dave, that is, does not like Luger or Hayes. He gave it three stars. I only gave it two because I thought it was a bit boring. What do you say? This was probably my favorite match of the night at this point. Yeah, up until now, I, for sure. I, I, I want to say, I think I gave it three. I, I said three stars as well. I think it deserved that. It was a fun watch for me. I, not a masterpiece by yeah. any means, but like, you know, it actually, it kind of woke me up in a sense. I'm like, wow, okay, there was decent on this card because i feel like everything else was horrible at this point i will say i i think i underrated it i will say that like in retrospect for people i'm gonna give people a homework assignment here if you do what i did like i watched the first half of this match with the sound off because i was doing other things and then i turn and then i turned the sound on halfway through the match and i had a completely different reaction to the whole match just because of the crowd so it's a little more boring when you realize, like, as kind of it's a bit of a boring match, and the crowds just you know you don't hear a crowd, but they're heavily into it. I will say that. Yeah, but, um, I think this was probably the the most I've heard the crowd all night at this point. They were like really into it, and it was like you know I feel like them getting into it probably woke me up a little bit too. You know, yeah, I for just sure. but I I, uh, I I did say it was like 
was this the heel turn? Like, because I feel like he, like Hayes, was a face in the last one we watched. Uh, yeah, I think he was. He, I think he was going back and forth. So I don't know. So but, well, yeah. clearly, this was like well, a, a Freebirds reunion. But well, no, I think he was. I think he had turned heel before this because you remember it, at uh, Clash of the Champions six. He's on commentary talking about his manager Hiro Matsuda. So. Uh, I, I think he had turned. Yeah, but heel. still, between February of the last one we watched and this, it was a quick thing, though. I mean, like, I feel like they should have showed highlights or something. Yeah, that was the one. As much as I love doing this, I I don't feel like going back and watching all the build up to each show. So right. I depend on what they show me. <laughs> if, if there's something going on and I, I really want to know, I'll go look it up and edit. But that's like, why. I, it, yeah, that's why I appreciate a lot of WWF stuff from the mid '90s on because they always do highlight reels before the matches. Or at right. the very least, at the beginning of the show. So yeah. this was... And to be fair, yeah. also, too, I, I, I'm not to go back on what I just said, but I don't care that Michael Hayes turned, but yeah. an explanation would have been nice. I mean, exactly. I'm, I'm not a... I was never a Michael Hayes fan. I'm just throwing that out there. Uh, and, and no, I didn't I was a huge Doc Hendricks fan, but... God, you said that. Uh, and for the record, no, I did not watch his stuff in WCCW, so just throwing that out there. But I think you spoke too soon on your favorite match of the night, man, because up next, uh, Lance Russell's in the back with Sting, and Sting talks about how he loves it when people get weird. <laughs> Sting had the weirdest freaking promos of all time. I know. And like, uh, I got to point out, man. I also, well, there's a correlation there. <laughs> I have to point out his hair, okay? Oh, I, yeah. I've been a fan of Sting since like I can remember. Like He's the reason I started watching WCW. And like, you know, when I was a kid, I would get into face like finger paint and paint my face like him and stuff. Yeah. I've never until this moment noticed how does uh, see on the major wrestling podcast they say I was today years old when I saw <laughs> that Sting had a black like a thick black ratty with his yeah. bleach blonde he, hair. I I've that never note. seen that in my life. Yeah, because he this was the era he he had the rat tail for like. A long right. ass time, right? And but that's I've never okay. seen him. We know that's we know that would sink, but yeah, right. I've never <laughs> seen him dye it black, like you said. Yeah. I made that note in the match. Not, I, not just black; it was like charcoal, like pitch black. Yeah, I, I was mean, like, what? <laughs> it looked it like Scott Steiner's weird. beard. <laughs> right? Yeah. So this this was odd, and his but face paint didn't cover his forehead. I thought that was weird too. It was like it was kind of like not complete, but yeah, it was. Well, this was old school. Like Sting used to do that. Like it, it eventually his his paint evolved, but this was like the well. There's point a special time where it evolved. The, there's a special on the network. You should go watch it. It's like a lost tape from Slamboree. I want to say '94. It's like a little documentary, and he basically on there says that his face paint. He never planned it. He just started painting, and what he came up with that was it. So what you saw, other huh. than I guess the, the crow, because that was always the same. So what you saw was like like just him throwing paint on there, just whatever. He had some it. variations of the crow, but yeah, it was usually always the same. He changed yeah. it up once in a while, probably because he got bored of painting the same thing every night. But yeah, this is why I said you spoke too soon on your favorite match of the night, man. It's Sting defending the television title against the Iron Sheik with Rip Morgan in his corner. It went on for two minutes and 12 seconds. Ugh. The Iron Sheik gets a jobber entrance while Sting comes out with a bunch of little... St well, I say he comes out with the little stingers, but really, Sting's music hits, and then a bunch of kids wearing Sting face paint just bolt from the back like they're running away from Sting. And they just <laughs> bolt to the ring, and then you never see him again, and then like five seconds later, Sting pops out through the curtain. 
by the way, I went. Uh, I, I went back. I've never seen that inches before either. By the way, it was weird. I'm like, and, and we barely get to see the kids. They just bolt. So it's like, are you running out of time? I will say this. I I thought I didn't know that theme. I was like, I don't know if that's a WWE dub or not. So I oh, went back. Went, yeah. Oh, that's supercharged. Yeah, that's his actual theme. Yeah, I didn't know that. I went back and I listened to like, like I said, I found the, a clip of the original release where with the real themes. And I was like, oh, so that is his real theme. I hated that theme. I like. It's actually in. It's actually in 2K. It is. I yeah. I loved that theme when I was a kid. Like, oh man, it got me hyped. I feel like his Hogan's and Warriors were like my favorite themes when I was a kid. Like when I heard those, I got pumped. I'll say this: I uh, I didn't. I wouldn't have hated it unless I heard. And I know this may not be a popular opinion. I don't know, but I loved when he switched to the man called Sting. I love that. I, I did, know the lyrics I did too. are stupid. Well, well, not all of them. Just the, this he, and that part. Um, he does this. He does that. All the old people act like a child. Come on, it's cool. Uh, but yeah, it's like nostalgic wise. I mean, I get what you mean, but nostalgic wise, you know, right. it sound weird. That was always one of my absolute favorite themes. Yeah, it was. It was fine. I like Luger's as well from this era. I did too. Yeah, I'm glad they put that in the game too. Right. Let's go through this this match, man. What what there is of it? I had in my notes about the rat tail. Uh, the camera completely misses Rip Morgan nailing Sting before the bell. By the way, I don't know why Rip Morgan is there. I don't know who Rip Morgan is. I I think I've heard the name. I don't know. But uh, he was just a manager. Yeah, he's just a white guy wearing Iron Sheik's clothes. So. Uh, but after Sheik and and uh, Sting brawl Sheiky back, and, they brawl back and forth for a minute or so, you know, actually like punching and using weapons and whatever. Then all of a sudden, about a minute into the match, they go into a collar elbow tie up. I literally put WTF. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't realize that. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. Oh, man. Uh, Sting finally taps the Iron Sheik out to the Scorpion Deathlock to retain the TV title. Uncle Dave gave it a dud. I gave it one star. Because Sting put in some effort. I don't know. This here's, why, here's exactly what I said. One star, not much to say. Yeah. This, this, I mean, this really sucks. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. You know, this is going to sound weird, but Iron Sheik, you know, he, ju- he just lost the W title a couple years ago. So he was in a main thing. I get that yeah. he was a champion. All of a sudden, and, and not to take anything away from Sting, obviously he's one of my absolute favorites, but it's like two minutes over the Iron Sheik. You know, they yeah. that, uh, what's that? The manager's name again? Rip, Rip uh, Morgan. They could have gave him him for two minutes and that would have made some sense. Yeah, this sucked. It was just filler and it was the let me up segment because up next. Man, I just I'm sorry. I just I, I can't understand how a title match is ever filler. I just yeah. I don't get it. That makes I know. zero sense to me. Yeah, I know. It's dumb. I forget. I like I completely forgot Sting was ever the television champion. And also, by the way. He had won the title. They never told us how, which was annoying. You know, another thing we don't know unless we go watch the buildup ourselves. Uh, but I don't know how he won it for Mike Rotunda, who uh, I think he just won it on Saturday night or whatever the syndicated show was. Yeah, I think it was just World Championship. He did have wrestling. a feud with most of the um, Marcy Club, but like it was always one guy he had a feud with, not the entire. If that makes sense, like go yeah, go figure. Uh, you know, a, a baby face had a feud with a varsity club. Like it seemed like everybody feuded with a damn varsity club during this. It feels era. like every every stable Kevin Sullivan ever had was like hot as hell, like on fire. Yeah, uh, you're getting awfully liberal there, man. But 
Okay, hey, look, okay, all jokes aside, most of the wrestlers in the Varsity Club were actually damn good. Whereas the Dungeon of Doom was a complete joke, to be fair. Yeah. Oh, well, for sure. I liked most of the people in uh, Varsity Club. But up next, man, Lance Russell interviews Ricky Steamboat backstage, who says that he's in the best shape of his life, and whatever happens, he'll shake Ric Flair's hand. So, again, building up to this, you know, kind of babyface, babyface kind of match. And we get... The whole reason we did the show for it was Ricky Steamboat defending the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship against Ric Flair. The match went for 31 minutes, 37 seconds. Ric Flair comes out flanked by about 20 gorgeous women. He's done this entrance three times now, and I swear he gets more women every time. Yeah, right. They keep, like, doubling. Right. Rick, not uh, one Ricky... of them is his wife, by the way. Oh, was it? No, I said not one of them was. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think when he brought this entrance back in WWE in 2005 for like a hot minute, one of them was his actual wife at the time. Nice. Uh, wife number what? Four or five? I don't know. I lost count. <laughs> the alimony pony. Uh, but Ricky Steamboat comes out with his wife in a red ball gown and Richie dressed like a rhinestone cowboy riding a white mini horse. <laughs> uh, Once again, looks... he's the everyday, he's the every guy with the. Uh, Supermodel wife with a million dollar dress. So there you go. Yeah. And he could afford a horse. <laughs> Credit to you for pointing that out. Cause again, I never would have realized that. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's a, uh, yeah, it's something man. Uh, but the finish is fairly anticlimactic in my opinion, as steamboat goes for a scoop slam flare rolls through with it and hooks the leg pinning steamboat for the win. The pyro blows and, Flair and Steamboat hold, or excuse me, uh, Pyro blows for Flair as Steamboat holds Rick's arm up in congratulations. Uncle Dave calls this one of the greatest matches he's ever seen live and, quote, five stars doesn't do the whole thing justice. He was he there, it. right? I don't know if he was physically there for this one. He was I, there for at Chi-Town. Oh, Rumble. it was the last one. Okay, yeah, sorry. Okay. Yeah. He gave it five stars. I, too, gave it five stars, but I don't know, man. The crowd blew for the finish. But I thought the finish was just kind of, eh. Like, well, I've already it, explained my my position on finishes. I don't let it ever affect my rating of a match. Yeah. But I don't know. For me, I felt like this wasn't as good as the last two. It was great. Don't get me wrong. But it's like, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it was too much of a good thing at this point because I did say four. I thought this was maybe the weakest of their three. I know. And I used to think this was the match. I've uh, always held the first one in high regard. I thought that was the most amazing match they've ever had. There's just something for about this event for me that just didn't click as much. Yeah, I, I, I feel the same way. I've, and my thing with the finish is it's because like what you were talking about earlier, where it's like just when I was really getting into it and then it's like, oh, that's, <laughs> that's a finish. Uh, okay. Right. And it was a weird one, especially I mean, when the but also you got to factor in Ricky Steamboat. Uh, did he ever have a finishing move? It was always yeah, across he had the body. Or, yeah. Yeah, they built that up like what we talk about in the archives, Chi-Town Rumble. They built up that flying crossbody. He hits it, it's over. And then he did the the double chicken wing. That was his other finisher. And they were even playing that up during this match. Oh, he's working Flair's arms so he can do the double chicken wing. Yeah. But he never did. <laughs> and I, I just, I kind of laugh at that. I'm like, that's, for a great wrestler, he didn't really have a definitive move. I those Maybe it's just me, but. Yeah, well, he did the his setup was the the flying karate chop off the top, and then he would either go into the double chicken wing or he would go into the flying crossbody. So, yeah, right. I mean, those, that's what I think of when I think of Steamboat. 
but I don't know. The first match I thought was great. The second match I thought was amazing. This match I thought was really good. So I don't know. I feel really weird saying subpar, but when you yeah. put it in, in that context with the other two, it kind of is subpar in my opinion. Right. It's like uh, a, it's like a movie trilogy where the first one's really good. Second one's amazing. Like even better than the first. And then the third one, it's like, eh, I mean, it was good. Uh, just not as good, you know, <laughs> not to get too nerdy here, but I might say that that about the original star Wars trilogy, it was good. It got yeah. even greater. Return of the Jedi is still one of my favorites, but not the best one, honestly. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, that, Back to the... Well, no, not Back to the Future. I, I think quality kept going down on those. But anyway, I digress. We'll After, debate that later. <laughs> right. The uh, post-match, man, this is what we've been waiting for besides that. Jim Ross interviews Ric Flair in the ring, saying that this is one of the greatest wrestling matches ever. Rick says that Ricky Steamboat is the greatest world champion of all time, again. And then Terry Funk jumps in the ring to interrupt and says that he thinks that Flair is the greatest world champion ever. And if the time had expired at 60 minutes, he'd have voted for Flair. Funk then challenges Flair for the title, but Flair says that Funk has gone Hollywood in reference to uh, Funk being in uh, Roadhouse, which I've never no, seen Roadhouse. Was, well, maybe he was in Roadhouse, but the one he was referring to here, he said rubbing elbows with Stallone. Yeah, he was over the top. Okay. Yeah, I was wondering about that because I had I, I had heard him make the Stallone reference and I had seen um in like newsletters and stuff they were talking about Roadhouse and I'm like, oh, that was that was Swayze. That wasn't yeah. uh, Stallone. Was he in so. that too? He was. Oh, okay. That I didn't know, but Yeah, I've never seen Roadhouse. I just know that he's in it. So uh it's kinda like um Stan Hansen is in I I mean, obviously this you know, Roadhouse is much more famous, but Stan Hansen is in uh, No Holds Barred. Yeah, he's in he's in the bar scene. So, but Flair says that Funk has gone Hollywood. So now Flair has to face the contenders in the top ten in the NWA. How many times have companies tried to do a top ten and it never works out? Uh, it's currently uh, failing with AEW. So, oh, I know it's even failing in UFC. So, and that's legitimate. <laughs> Well, failing had to has to intend that it at one point was successful. It never was successful in the UFC, to be fair. That's yeah, that's true. Uh, Funk gets pretty indignant about this, but uh, before saying that he was, he's like, "Oh, I was only kidding." And then he shakes Flair's hand, and then he decks him and knocks him down. Then he beats the tar out of Flair, goes nuts, and he pile drives him on a table, which doesn't break, by the way. And then he beats him up more <laughs> with a chair. He's slamming the chair on Flair's head, and all the while, Jim Ross is making this better, because he ran back to commentary, and he hops on the headset, and the whole time he's yelling, he's gone crazy! Gary Funk's gone crazy! Like Gone crazy, yes. Yeah, right. He wasn't before. I, I want to... Oh, go ahead. I, I just... I gotta say, was this... I feel like this is the very first ever table move. It was one of I, them. I feel like I've never seen it before this. Like, when I was yeah. a kid, that was the first time I saw it. If you're and I don't remember about, like, why, but I was like hurting when Flair was getting beat up when I was a kid because yeah. I hated him. But all of a sudden, I'm like, why do I care? <laughs> right. Uh, well, this was this was like we, we what we talked about the the double turn because uh, Funk was a face going into this and Flair was a heel, and then they switched going into the program, and it and it built up, man. Um, this was a, a cool feud. The matches were fine I, well, I the, they the last good. man standing or was it i quit one of the two was it was just, i quit i think it was still one of the very best of that genre so i quit it was one of the best i quit matches in history i thought to this it was day. this 
Yeah, it was this was this was a really good hot feud this went into. A couple things with this though was uh Ricky Steamboat wrote in his book or talked about in interviews, maybe both. He said he had no idea that this was gonna happen. He said he thought that he was gonna, you know, take some time off from the, the title picture and then he was gonna get his rematch. And he said never happened, obviously. And he said he was just told, hey, after the match, just leave the ring. We're going to do an angle. And he said, okay. And he said, on all this thinking, well, I'm going to get my rematch down the line. And he looks back, and this is happening. He's like, well, I guess I'm screwed. <laughs> That's so, rough. Yeah. Well, I, and I get where he's coming from, but at the same time, this led to him eventually going back, or yeah, going back to the WWF. And, like, Ricky yeah, Steamboat, but that was also man. a failed run, though, I think. Oh, well. For sure it was. Yeah, I'm not. But this was, well, that's why he eventually left the WWF again. This was his thing. If I'm not going for the world title, then I don't want to be here. That was his entire career. The thing, too, about, another thing about that, too, it's like, he thought he was going to get his rematch. I'm like, okay, we've seen this three times. Enough. I know. know. It's also, let's keep in mind that he he had the win record here. He was two and one in this trilogy. So, you know, right. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, it was. And I love steam. Don't get me wrong. I am not like trying to bash him, but yeah. Yeah. yeah well, I don't, my, my thing was, could he have drawn the house with anybody, but flair? Like, I, I don't want to say yes or no, but I think it's more close than no. Yeah. I mean, the numbers weren't exactly on fire with flair so what about with somebody who wasn't as important as flair i don't know i just that's my thing real quick on funk uh, i do want to say that like before there was chris jericho i think terry funk was the king of reinvention making himself hot again and stuff because this was like for this being 1989 this was him you know, kind of giving himself a fresh coat of paint number five in his career. <laughs> and he still had more to go. He was, he would still have many more hot years in ECW. He had to run his chains, chainsaw Charlie and uh, WWF. And then he was himself in WWF. I mean, he did some, and then he would pop back up in WCW in the Russo era. So, I mean, he did some, some big stuff. And everything he did, I mean, maybe, you know, towards the later part of his career, Chainsaw Charlie on, he wasn't exactly, you know, main event level guy. But I mean, Terry Funk was always figuring out a way to to slap and, like I said, slap a fresh coat of paint on himself and be in the main event, man. I mean, I, I'm thinking even before this, when he was going against Lawler in Memphis and he did the whole word, like Lawler stabbed him in the eye during the, <laughs> the or, uh, kicked something into his eye during the uh yeah, the right. match. My eye! Where's Lawler? He's yellow. <laughs> God dang it, my eye, Lance. I, I think uh I, I like the comparison of Jericho. I just think he did he never really changed much though. He's always that no. crazy nut from Texas. Yeah, and he didn't start and out. That was that his whole gimmick like, by the way, crazy Texan. That was his thing. That's why I say it. But he kept getting more and more nuts as his career went on and then eventually he became the hardcore guy. So he well, it makes it. you wonder if, like, when Jerry used to call him middle aging crazy, if he was like, that was a oh, yeah. inside shoot. <laughs> oh, well, for sure he is. 
Yeah, because at first he was like his brother Dory, like, you know, when he was NWA champion, like they were just, you know, good old fashioned wrestlers from West Texas. And then as it went on, he turned into the psycho. And then, you know, it, it kind of went on from that. And then he became the brawler. And then he was the hardcore guy doing moonsaults in his, you know, 50s and 60s. So <laughs> I think he's still doing moonsaults in his 80s. I, I'm kidding. He's not in his 80s, but, you know, close. Will be, though. I mean, he will be doing moonsaults in his 80s in there, too. Oh, yeah. That was not the main event, man. We got two more matches to go. We'll zip before you quick. before you say that, I got, I was surprised because I either didn't realize it or just forgot that this wasn't the last match. I know I get to the end of that. And I was like, ah, that was a, an okay show. And I'm like, wait a minute, there's still time. And I feel like these two next two matches. Yes. There's two matches, by the way. I yeah. feel like they run together. Yeah. It's weird. It's just a weird way to close the show. I felt these would have been much better right before the main event or, you know, before the U S title match, even there's a thing too. Um, if you go back and watch old Saturday night's main events, even though the old adage Hogan must pose a lot of yeah. times there were like some dud matches to close those shows. Well, yeah, Hogan was usually either first or second match on the card. And then they had like three or four matches after him. Yeah. Or, now looking in hindsight, I'm pretty sure they taped a lot of stuff after. Uh, well, but still, it was just weird presentation was. Yeah. Well, it wasn't the way it was now. Their thought process was, you know, get an opener out there and then, you know, to keep the ratings, bring out the main eventers. And then maybe they'll still stick around for the other guys afterwards, you know? That's so, kind I mean, of a dangerous test. Yeah, it really is. Like Hogan's going to draw him, but will, you know, Haku and Andre against Duggan and Stud hold him? <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> the way you put that was accurate, but funny. Up next, Joe Petrosino is backstage interviewing Nikita Koloff. Until, like, at first, I missed who... Joe Petrosino was I was like some fat guy in a tuxedo. I still to this day don't know who Joe Petrosino is besides that yeah. fat guy in a tuxedo. But he he interviews Nikita Koloff, who will be the special guest referee in the next match. Koloff's fake accent is laughable, in my opinion. I mean, did also, you laugh? Yeah, I did. I did. And because it was kind of breaking at points. Um, also, it was really weird to see him with hair. I gotta mention. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, but. He says he's not going to be intimidated by any of the wrestlers and he'll call the match right down the middle. I laughed at his accent because it was almost like he had a weird lisp with like his tongue was swollen. He said he's like, I'm not going to be intimidated by wrestlers. And I'm like, <laughs> what the hell? He sounds like uh, uh, that that janitor on The Simpsons. Uh, Willie. Uh, God, groundskeeper <laughs> Willie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Turn off the noodle on the hoose. The noodle on the hoose. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but this match is the Varsity Club, Mike Rotunda and Steve Williams defending the NWA World Tag Titles. And I emphasize world for something you'll see in a minute. Uh, they have Kevin yeah. Sullivan in their corner. <laughs> that They're taking on the Road Warriors of Hawk and Animal with Paul Ellering in their corner. As we mentioned, special guest referees Nikita Koloff. It is It goes for six minutes, six seconds. The Varsity Club has their own cheerleading team in the ring with them while the pyro goes off above them. And then the crowd absolutely loses their crap for the Road Warriors. That's that infamous Road Warrior pop. And the pyro blows all over the place as they come out. And they start beating up the Varsity Club without even taking their shoulder pads off. The Road Warriors do nail the Doomsday device on, of all people, Dr. Death. But Dan Spivey pulls Nikita Koloff out of the ring. 
a brawl breaks out involving Kevin Sullivan as well. And then the other referee calls for a DQ as the brawl continues. Uh, after all the shenanigans with the referee, Nikita Koloff, the champions were stripped of the titles. They're, this sets up for a tag title tournament later on, by the way. Uncle Dave gave this thing three and a half stars. I gave it two. What do you say? Uh, I love the Road Warriors, but this match was terrible. It wasn't one much star. of a match. This was one, this was one of those ones where I considered saying zero. <laughs> because I feel like it went nowhere. It, it, wasn't, yeah. it really wasn't a match to me. Until the finish, uh, I yeah. thought it was okay, but I was just like, holy crap, they allowed Dr. Death to get out of the Doomsday device. All right, whatever. Yeah, I was just, I don't know, I feel like, I didn't, I didn't feel like this was a match, honestly. Yeah, I don't know. It was fine. We'll return after these messages. Hey guys, this is Gabby Douglas. If you have an active lifestyle like me, hydration is key. That's why I love the Hydration Watermelon Smoothie from Smoothie King. Blended with whole fruits, coconut water, and more electrolytes than some of the leading sports drinks, Hydration Watermelon is the cleaner way to hydrate with no artificial colors, flavors, or preservatives. So you can recover and perform at your peak ability during the summer heat. Order online or through the app for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. Enjoy. Thanks. Be order breakfast at the McDonald's drive-thru. Tell yourself you'll wait to eat it at work, but it smells way too good. So you eat it right there in the McDonald's parking lot meal. There's a meal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, get any size iced coffee for 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with your favorite breakfast sandwich or one of our tasty bakery treats. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. Now, back to our program. But what you talk about running together, man, is the next match was also the Varsity Club, the team of Kevin Sullivan and Dan Spivey, taking on the first family, Eddie Gilbert and Rick Steiner, with Missy Hyatt in their corner. This was for the NWA U.S. Tag Team titles. Yes, the U.S. Tag Titles closed the show with... And you thought Varsity. WWE haven't had an overabundance of titles. <laughs> right. And this was... And it's the Varsity Club versus the first effing family. Like, for God's sake, this is a show closer with, on a mat, or on a card with Steamboat and Flair. This went for six Hot minutes. Eddie Gilbert, dude. Oh, yeah. This went for six minutes, 41 seconds. This is a big brawl from Go, basically. Steiner's taken out early so that they can focus on Gilbert. When Gilbert finally tags Steiner, the ref missed it. So he holds back Steiner and then he and then he pushes Spivey back to the corner and gets distracted. So Sullivan goes to pile drive Gilbert, but Steiner runs in and clothesline Sullivan, allowing Gol, uh, Gilbert to do Steiner the line. Yeah, Steiner line. line. Yeah, get it right. Good, good Lord. Yeah, excuse me. But he allows big uh, Gilbert eat ass on that one. No, they they're definitely I'm, I'm not even going into it. All right. <laughs> it was right there. I couldn't not do it. <laughs> But imagine Sullivan, I'm trying to put this like a visual picture for people who can't see it. Sullivan goes for the pile driver. He's in that position, like bent over. Steiner, Steiner lines him. He goes back. Gilbert does a jackknife cover, and he gets the pinfall victory. So again, this babyface team steals the match from the Varsity Club. After the match, really the Varsity Club. telling, by the way, that every babyface team has to cheat to beat the freaking Varsity Club. Yeah, I know. Gosh. And then, then after the match, the, the Varsity Club attacks Steiner with a chair. 
Sullivan goes uh, for Missy Hyatt in the ring because he he's always creeping on women. But Gilbert finally grabs a <laughs> chair and chases the Varsity Club off because if there's one man I'm afraid of, it's hot stuff Eddie Gilbert with a chair. Uncle Dave said that this was good, but the crowd was burned out. He gave it two and a half stars. I gave it two. What do you say? Uh, I gave it two. I did. I kind of like some of the uh, shenanigans. Yeah, it made sense. Gilbert with those neon green tights, though, man. Hot damn. Yeah, I mean the early days of, uh, of the bad boy, dude. Come on. Oh my gosh, you referenced Jelly Nutella on this <laughs> podcast. Freaking dude, he clearly gets wannabe. inspiration from like him and and uh, uh, Jimmy Jam Garvin. Like clearly, he's you know I'm, into this era. I'm going with Riff Raff, but whatever. Wow. Uh, speaking <laughs> of, I mean a couple of things with that, but I'm gonna leave it alone. <laughs> I could, and I mean both. We'll return after these messages. Enjoy. Thanks. The order breakfast at the McDonald's drive-through. Tell yourself you'll wait to eat it at work, but it smells way too good. So you eat it right there in the McDonald's parking lot meal. There's a meal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, get any size iced coffee for 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with your favorite breakfast sandwich or one of our tasty bakery treats. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. Now, back to our program. Final ratings, man. Internet Movie Database gave it 6.9 out of 10. Cagematch.net I thought was a little harsh. They gave it 5.13 out of 10. I gave it 7 out of 10. What do you say? Uh, this might be the second time I've given this to WCW events or NWA, whatever. Maybe a C minus. I think I didn't think it was good. Yeah, I might have so. bumped it up to a C plus if I thought the main event was like five stars, which I didn't. I thought it was. We discussed it already, but I felt it was lacking a little bit. So you're hovering around like six point nine ish, give or between, take. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Probably Obviously, an F is the worst. I think D is like. No good matches, and the only reason I watched it because fun moments. Basically, anything ECW's done. <laughs> but you're right, <laughs> right? Yeah, that was. I mean, let's work. be honest though. We only reviewed these last three. Sh- well, not last three in succession, but the three matches here. I mean, with these three shows for these matches, right? So the rest is just excess. It is, yeah, and it's fun to see what the NWA was doing at this time. Uh, the next event, like what we were talking about, that they were going to build up to was uh, Great American Bash 89. Flair and Funk closed the show uh, for the NWA title. That was fun. They had a War Games match, the Road Warriors, Midnight Express, and uh, Dr. Death had turned babyface. Uh, they took on the fabulous Freebirds, all three of them, because Jimmy Jam and Terry Gordy were there now, and I the Smoke like, Squat uh, team. I feel like a lot of the RC Club eventually turned face. Yeah, yeah. Who I could... think uh, Mike Mike Rotundo maybe the only one who never went face after that. I think he always stayed I, heel. I thought he was baby face as Captain Mike Rotunda after that. Maybe for a minute. Yeah, I but have a he, feeling he was. He goes back. He goes to WWE as IRS. You know, like maybe less than two years, give or take. Yeah, and I feel like after that, for sure, he's never a face again. Well, Steamboat kind of went a little bit down the card after this. He was still there. He took on Luger. And I think Luger was heel at this point, wasn't he? 
Yeah, he uh, fluctuated back and forth. Yeah, I think he took. I remember this match. He turned heel and had kind of a crappy match with Steamboat. It's one of the worst matches I'd seen Steamboat have. And I was shocked that him and Luger, you know, he couldn't do something with Luger, but I don't know. Uh, I do know but, Luger eventually is a heel for sure when he's facing Ron Simmons for the world title because he makes I, a comment that would not fly today. When <laughs> I'm not going to say, but yeah, I remember. The, curious, go watch the, 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 press conference with ron simmons and lex luger building up to the match you'll see what i mean yeah well i remember that i do remember this match because this is the one where for some reason steamboat grabbed a chair and then luger grabbed it and right in front of the ref smacked steamboat with it and got disqualified i i remember that one the, was harley the, race's referee or was harley race his manager at the time no no it was okay, just luger. That's, that's coming i believe yeah and then we get sting taking on uh great muda for the tv title so that that great feud, and I'm I'm not that's, being facetious with that. That's one of the feuds of my childhood, right there for WCW. Yeah, nice. that was that was pretty good. We'll return after these messages. Your AC works overtime all summer, so be sure to replace your old air filters with new Filtry air filters. They recommend updating HVAC filters at least every three months all year round. So order your Filtry air filters today at Filtry.com. Let's clear the air. Now, back to our program. Next month, man, this wrapped up uh, our trilogy that we were covering with uh, Steamboat and Flair, something, a passion project of mine I wanted to dive into, and we got we got her done, and uh, it was it was okay. I mean, the matches were great, but the, the events were okay. I finally saw I just, them all. I feel like it's horrible that, like, all three events we did, it was all about them, like, literally nothing on the undercard. Yeah, I mean, Luger had some good stuff. In I my feel like opinion. Luger was the shining one of, of this one and the first one. No, oh well, Flash Six, right? But well, yeah, well, no, he wasn't. Remember, his match got cut. He his match was uh, was That's one of right. the was one of the dark matches that they taped for uh, World Championship Wrestling afterwards. <sighs> At seven oh five Eastern Time, ladies and gentlemen, on the Superstation. But anyway. This wrapped up July. I think every, you know, even if they weren't great, every wrestling fan, I think that should be a thing you have to do is watch all three of these shows just for that. But we covered the matches. Let's let's not overdo it. (laughs) Well, at least the matches. Yeah, Uh, we covered some great stuff this month, man. Uh, Definitely go back. Listen, last week we covered In Your House 16 Canadian Stampede took place in 1997. That was I had a lot of fun with that one. I even had fun two weeks ago when we covered uh, ECW, or uh, excuse me, three weeks ago when we covered ECW's, uh, what, what was it, Heat Wave 99. Yeah. That, was, that was interesting. Good stuff. But, ne- but that wraps up the month of July. Next month, man, it is August. That means it is SummerSlam month. And we are going, this is our the most recent show we have covered yet. It and the reason is, why. Yes, it is WWE SummerSlam 2015, and we are covering that for multiple reasons. The most important one I'll, I'll get to in a second, but the night before this was the very first ever NXT TakeOver. took place in Brooklyn. This was the first time they'd been out of L.A. for years. Lots of historic stuff happened around this event as well. It was the biggest, longest SummerSlam in history, and also Greg and I were there. So and that, it was awesome. Hell yeah. We spent a whole week in NYC. 
It was amazing. There's a lot of dated stuff, unfortunately, like five years ago, stuff that's like you literally can't do now. Even without the pandemic, it's stuff that you couldn't do now. But because it just it's not there anymore. Well, the one that hurts the most is uh, no more Toys R Us in Times Square. That one probably still stings the most. Uh, Yeah, we we hit up quite a few Toys R Us's, but yeah, that uh, that really hurts. But either way, uh, we'll we'll cover. It won't be a lot of vacation stories because it's not a vacation podcast. But we'll talk about stuff we did wrestling related, stuff we saw around town wrestling related, uh, fig hunts that we went on, stuff like that. So we'll we've got a lot to cover next week with that good stuff i've really been looking forward to and it was a fun event all the way around i recently watched back um nxt to prep and noise not to get ahead but man i forgot how amazing that show was there were two show closers on that show in my opinion yeah. so right. and and both of them were uh basically the send-off of the loser <laughs> so right yeah so and this show it's crazy was- man well, and this show was the uh, the first time I ever saw The Undertaker live, so I got to check that off my bucket list. He's been my favorite since I started watching wrestling back in late 97. So this was this was huge for me yeah. in m- many ways. Your first uh, pay-per-view, right? First pay-per-view, first time seeing The Undertaker. So yeah, and then I got to see... I actually, I'd never been to a live WWE show before all of this. So we went to NXT... SummerSlam, Raw, and SmackDown in succession. It was great stuff, man. Uh, f- very, very fun times. But all right, uh, that's that's August 5th. Look out for that. August 12th, we are covering WCW Road Wild 1999. Took place in August of 99, and it was the very last show WCW ever did at Sturgis. Oh, 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 man. What a way to go out, though. You know, you got Dennis Robin on the card. Oh, man. Oh, hell yeah. So, <laughs> I don't even know what to say to <laughs> that. Just, oh, man. Effing Sturgis, man. Sturgis, this was the last one because the year after this, they did New Blood Rising. Yes. And, Judy and Bagwell that, on a freaking pole. Or that was, forklift. Yeah. That was a, a thing. So I don't know what guy, like they just literally gave up in August. They were like, look, we're competing against SummerSlam. Just throw whatever crap we can out there. He was it's, yeah. So we're going to cover Road Wild 99. See how that one was. Not going to be good, but we'll watch it anyway. Uh, August 19th, you and I decided WWE SummerSlam 1998. This was a fun one. Took place in MSG, main evented by Stone Cold and The Undertaker. Lots of lots of historic stuff. The poster for the event is historic in its own right. So very much looking forward to uh, covering that one. It's been There's forever. There's an epic ladder match it. on there that I think overshadows everything. By the way, yeah, definitely looking forward to that. This was a very fun event. That was actually the reason I picked this event. By the way, it was specifically that ladder match because I want to go back and watch it so bad. I have a Mattel figure of that Triple H. So, yeah. Oh, yeah I have so. a Masters of the Universe figure of that Triple H. <laughs> <laughs> that was a favorite of, of, of Mattel's, I, I guess. I have the Mattel of that rock, by the way. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah. So that was uh, that was SummerSlam 1998, going back to the Attitude Era. 
going to be a good one. And then we're closing out the month with ECW, man. August 26th, it's ECW's Born to be Wired 1997. It is not on the network, but we did find it online. I found a link uh, to watch the show in full. Figured it would be a nice change of pace. So, you know, something to be wired. That sounds like you're doing drugs, man. Well, it, uh, well, you might feel like you're on drugs after watching this, but the main event. I'll need LSD to watch this, but yeah. Good Lord. Uh, The main event is Sabu versus uh, Terry Funk and a no rope barbed wire ropes match. So, yeah, there's that. That's uh, that's August, man. It's going to be a. Is that the match where Sabu super glues his skin together when he gets a deep gash? I I think so. Yes. So hell yeah. Fun, Watch it. Fun stuff. Yeah, man. But all right. Uh, taking it to the extreme. Uh, but that's that's August for you. Uh, we'll uh, we've got more goodness. We've got some surprises coming in September. Some really recent stuff some WTF stuff, some classic WWF, and some Attitude Era. So we're, we're going all over the place. But thanks for joining me yeah, today, like Greg. Yeah, we're like We're all over the place. Thanks for, thanks for joining me today, Greg. <laughs> of course. Follow us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at main event underscore marks. And Don't at me, bro. Definitely go like subscribe and all that crap to our YouTube page. Just search for Main Event Marks. We've got tons of exclusive figure stuff on there for you to check out. And we will see you all next week when we cover SummerSlam 2015. At Total Wine & More, we know what pairs perfectly with summer. Go ahead, test us. What goes best with a beach trip? This crisp rosé. A pool party? Try these craft beers. Oh, you're good. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine & More. (sighs) The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 